Here's the truth when you interview for a church job. You focus a lot on your first sermon. Uh, you try to give a good idea of who you are, your values, that you can speak in plain English, in proper English. You don't really spend a lot of time thinking about your last sermon. I mean, if you're in a bad situation, you always think about your last sermon. But I'm in a good situation. And you should probably be very leery of a person who has a stack of farewell sermons. So it's been quite a while. Um, <clears throat> I've enjoyed being your pastor. And when you get a call into ministry and to a church in particular, you do it because you want to help people in their relationship with God or to kind of cope in, in some ways with the reality of life. Life is difficult. So when I say I enjoy being your pastor, I'm not saying thanks for being a bunch of messed up people or thanks for job security. Uh, what I'm saying is I like you. I like being with you. And <clears throat> a pastor stands in a very unique and privileged position where I get to see all of your stories. And, um, and when you're a pastor, people come to you and they talk to you about a number of things that you know, they don't necessarily like, share with very many other people. But in the midst of your heartache, know that you're not alone. And in the midst of your joy, know that the whole congregation rejoices with you. I've really enjoyed um, this time, thank you for trusting me. Um, thanks for the search team who uh, interviewed me three and a half years ago at 11 p.m. Central Standard Time in my office across town. I was hoping I was doing a good job and that I could stay awake. Um, and not everybody knows this, but some of you do. That before coming to Trinity, <clears throat> I took a five-year sabbatical from ministry. Uh, to take some time to think about what I wanted the rest of my life to be like and if that included ministry. <clears throat> and I'm so thankful to God that my first step out of ministry, back into ministry, was Trinity. I think that it was just a good thing. So I really appreciate it. I'll always be thankful for our three years together. And I'm excited about the call that I've received in Poughkeepsie, New York. I'm ecstatic about being a senior minister. I'm thrilled that I get to experience a part of our country that I've never been to before and that I will be able to help create a staff and church culture that is that is warm that is welcoming and is grace-filled and there's just as many people in Poughkeepsie that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and need to experience the solace of what it means to be accepted in a Jesus-like community and here's the truth I could go on and on about a lot of autobiographical stuff I could do the pastor's equivalent of giving you a mixtape. Um, but to be honest, I really just want to finish the sermon series. I really have enjoyed life at the boiling point. And my discussions with you have sharpened my focus and my interest in a lot of different ways. And so in the series, Life at the Boiling Point, we're using the picture of water. When it is warm to 212 degrees Fahrenheit, it starts to go through a change. And sometimes it's slow. It just depends. Sometimes it's fast, it just depends, but over time, through persistent heat, it begins to change. And when it reaches the boiling point, it changes from a liquid to a gas. And we're using that picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that over time, um, through spiritual disciplines, that when God starts to work through our working, by faith, by grace, 
that he changes us, that he raises our temperature. And these spiritual disciplines are kind of like heating elements that, that kind of produce, help produce change. And I think that it's very fitting that we conclude our series by talking about the spiritual discipline of gathering and scattering. Uh, we gather to build our relationship with God and with one another. We gather together for worship, for service, and fellowship. And we scatter for mission. We gather and we scatter. And the reason that we scatter for mission is so that others who do not know and experience what we know and experience can also be gathered. You gather together in order to scatter. And the reason that we scatter is so others can be gathered. Both are the calling of those who would follow Jesus. is to be a person who can gather, but send out or go, and that we would be the people who would see ourselves as sent into the world to be salt and light. And I think that this idea of gathering and scattering actually points to the life of the Trinity, of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that since it is the very life of God, that it is also the very life that God wants to work in us over the course of our lives. So we're going to talk simply about the life of the Trinity and apply it to ourselves. So let's talk about the Trinity. Three distinct persons, they all share the same qualities. They have eternally existed in relationship. And so to put it another way, Father, Son, and Spirit have always been gathered together in a relationship for service, for adoration, for the benefit, for the glory of the other persons of the Trinity. And I think that this is a key idea of the Trinity, that the life and love of the persons of the Trinity are always focused on someone else and not themselves. That Jesus just isn't focused on himself in that relationship, but for the glorification of the Father and the love and the fellowship of the Spirit. And likewise, you go around that, that three-personed relationship and you see that, that it is a kind of love that is extroverted, that is outgoing, that is pointed, that is directed, not at the person itself, but the others in the relationship. But not all love is like this. We know this from personal experience in junior high or high school, hopefully high school. Your friends start dating. And you become the third wheel or the fifth wheel. You, we, we've all experienced an excluding kind of love, right? Where people can get kind of wrapped up in their own stuff that the kind of the world revolves around them, Right? People can get caught, so caught up in their own relationship that something as good as love can become bad because it turns in on itself. And right now in our world, we're all witnesses and all experiencing the effects of this kind of deformed love where a person can love their religion or anything else so much that they're willing to kill 50 innocent people in a gay bar in Orlando, Florida. We witness the travesty of love when even Christians will say, those 50 people deserved it. That is a cancerous, diseased, malformed love turned in on itself. It lacks compassion and empathy. And I believe that it lacks the love of God. But the unique thing about the life and love of the Trinity is that they have gathered together. But they have also determined to scatter so that anyone else not included in that relationship could be gathered to experience 
and to enjoy that kind of love. And here's the thing. As more people are included, they're not told to gather together in this awesome relationship and then exclude others, but to go back out and to bring other people in. That is the life and the love of the Trinity. That is the mindset of God. This relationship of love is so good, we have to share it. It is extroverted, it is confident, it is robust, it is including others. John 17, 24, Jesus says this. You have loved me before the foundation of the world. So Jesus confesses that before the first page of Scripture is written, that he experienced a gathered, embracing kind of love. And then in our verse, our passage, verse 21, he says, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So Jesus saw himself as gathered, as loved by the Father, but also sent by the Father. Isn't that beautiful? When we love something, we want to keep it close. But the heart of the Father is to love him so much that he would send his Son so that others would know that love also. Jesus, the Father's love, was willing to send. Love grows when it is released. Love grows when it is given away. And Jesus says, as I have been sent, so I am sending you. Jesus was sent from the heart of God for the heart of the world. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave, that he sent his one and only son, his one and only. The father sends the son. And then in the gospel of John, chapter 14 and 15, we see that the Holy Spirit is sent by both father and the son. And the Spirit is sent to help us understand the gospel that gathers us, that forgives us, that reconciles us, that keeps us, but also sends us. All of this to say that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit gather, and then they scatter. And they call us to be gathered, but also to scatter. And that's the life that we are called to embrace. So, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Just as Jesus was sent to bring the truth of God's great compassion and mercy and love, you are sent to do the same. Think about this. For God so loves the world that he also sends you. It can be scary. Look at verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. The disciples are afraid and the door is locked. And they're afraid that a contingency of Jewish agitators are going to get in, so they lock the doors. And if you're afraid of who gets in, and you lock the door, it really prevents you from going out. Locked doors keep us from going out. And if we have that kind of mentality with the grace of God or the love of God, and we cocoon ourselves away from others who are different than us, maybe don't believe what we do or look like us, or in the same economic bracket, whatever it happens to be, if we cocoon ourselves, then there, then, then there is no ingathering. If we do not scatter, then those who do not know and those who do not love will not be gathered. There must be scattering so that there can be an ingathering. Just like the harvest, you have to scatter the seed for there to be a harvest. You have to scatter. You, the farmer invests this money in seeds, and he scatters out his resources so that over time there can be a harvest, so that there can be an ingathering. 
And an important part of Christian history is Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples in a significant way. And in, a, in just a matter of a few weeks, this scared group of disciples who had locked themselves in a room out of fear are talking openly and publicly about God and the good news of Jesus Christ. Can you see this? That they unlatched the lock and they opened up the door, completely changed from the inside out, no longer living in fear, but living in the confidence of the love of God. And then they were strengthened by God because they were willing to be scared and they were willing to be sent. And because of that, and because of God's work through them, through the work of the Holy Spirit, thousands of people were gathered. Thousands. Paul is right. How will they believe if they do not hear? And how will they hear if we're not willing to scatter? Or to see ourselves as sent from God for the heart of the world? But let me tell you something. There's a lot of tension in this. To scatter and to include others in the gathering means that you're going to bump up against a thing called change pretty often. And when you read the book of Acts, it's an account of this scattering and gathering and the changes it brings on individuals in their churches. And Acts chapter 15 is a whole chapter dedicated to Jewish Christians. Jewish Christians who have, who've come to faith in Jesus Christ, and then they say, guys, what do we do with all the non-Jewish people who've been gathered to us? And so there's a contingency in Acts chapter 15 that says, make them become Jewish. Everything's good. For, for it to stay good, it has to stay the same. But the voice that went out said, no. They're accepted. They belong. They're welcomed. So to embrace gathering and to embrace scattering means that you, you have to embrace change. Or at least wrestle with it. Sometimes we want things to stay the same because we enjoy it. Not because we want to exclude others, but because it feeds us, it ministers to us, it serves us. We like that. Nothing necessarily wrong with that. But sometimes we want things to stay the same out of a sense of self-preservation. We think that if something changes, then the good of it goes away. And we think that in order for something to remain good, it has to remain the same. And that's just not the case. The Apostle Peter is wrestling with this whole tension when he says, No, Jesus, when you go to Jerusalem, you will not die. I will keep you. But later on, Jesus says, It's for this reason I was sent. The human heart wants to grab and cling in the heart of God pushes and sends out so that those same fingers can pull you back in. It's amazing. Life and love are about change. I love our seven-month-old, but I'm glad he's changing. He can do a fake sneeze now. It's really good. He's sleeping more. I love our nine-year-old daughter. I'm glad that she's changing. She loves reading. She loves writing. I love our four-year-old boy. I'm so glad he's potty trained and can get himself ready for bed. And I love you, Trinity. And it's okay for things to change. Things don't have to remain the same for them to remain good. 
And the church is always changing because people are always changing. Some people scatter and some people are gathered for a variety of reasons. In the, like three short years that I've been here, we've sent out the Salcedos to Colorado, the Robleys to a church plant in Anaheim, Patrick and Anne in Modesto, Iron and Grace, Palo Alto, Gracie and Nathan, St. Louis, Isaac and Lori to Scotland. Not to mention the dozens of interns that we prayed for that God would send. Then we pray for while they're here, and then we send them out dozens. Some people scatter. Now, in my notes, I have something. It's a caveat. It's a parenthesis. Sometimes you can get the idea that scattering is the most religious thing that you can do. <clears throat> that, you know, the missionaries are the really Christian ones because they, they go and they're scattered. But if you dedicate your life to being a person who welcomes others and supports them and gives them the resources, mentors, pray for, supports, and then you stay and they go, it is like you're going. Both are needed. Both are needed. And there's nothing wrong with you saying, I'm staying put. Where I am is my calling. But I will help be a launching pad for other people. Both are needed. So I just said that we've sent out. We've scattered several families, and some people are joining the gathering. There are 10 to 15 people in the last 12 months who've said to me, I kind of like Trinity. I think I'm going to stick around for a little bit. That's awesome. There's always going to be changes out there in the pews, and there's always going to be changes up here on the stage. There's always changes in membership and leadership, always. Some are gathered, and some are scattered. But the mission stays the same, that you are on this earth to know and to enjoy the love of God and to see yourself as a person sent out to show, to demonstrate, to say, to serve others so that they too may know the love of God that you know. The people change. The people change. The mission stays the same. The church I'm going to in Poughkeepsie, in October, they will celebrate their 300th year as a church. That's a long time. But for 300 years, that church has experienced change. But the mission stays the same. You and I will not be around for Trinity's 300th birthday. So what can you do now to make sure that, you, that other people could? You are a missionary. And maybe you say, hmm, I'm a teacher. Or I'm in business. Or I'm with the kids right now. At this life stage, I am anything but a missionary. And it's true that you're not going through an agency that's going to place you somewhere else. But according to this text, Jesus has commissioned you. You, because he's talking to more than just 11 people. He has commissioned you to see yourself as somebody who is sent so that others can be gathered and that being sent means reaching out. It could mean reaching out to neighbors, co-workers, other people in the church, being an advocate for people in our society who need it, embracing hospitality, showing generosity, doing some God talk when the opportunity arises. The mission field is not in some other country. The mission field is where you have been placed. You are sent. You are sent. Verse 23, if you forgive the sins of any, 
They are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. What a verse. But I've run out of time. I'm kidding. <laughs> kind of wrestled with this. I feel like I wouldn't be doing my job and I wouldn't be doing the scripture or you a justice by, by not speaking about it. So you can read that and you can say, well, I mean, that, that's about the, like the formal leadership in the church. But Jesus is talking to a group of people, more than 11 people. And if you look at the totality of scripture, God is the one that does the declaring over people. Right? He's the one that does the declaring. When you're translating from one language to another, it's really hard sometimes to get the equivalence, especially with subtle and sometimes with obvious ideas. This is what I think is going on here. Jesus has said, you've been gathered, and now you're going to be sent. They have not experienced Pentecost. They have not experienced the thousand, the, the two thousand, the three thousand people at one time being gathered into worship of Jesus. This is how I think. I think he's saying, look, you're going to be scattered. And there's typically two big responses to the news of Jesus Christ. When you scatter, when you talk, when you share, somebody is just going to hit a chord in their heart and they're going to say, I believe that. I believe that. And so what we have every Sunday in the middle part of our service is the assurance of pardon where from Scripture we hear the declaration that our sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ. That is a declaration made to us. It is stating a reality based on the person's confession. And Jesus is saying here, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. I think that the emphasis should be, if their sins are forgiven, then this is their current state with God. And you can speak this truth into their life, that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they are forgiven. It is not me saying whether or not you are or are not forgiven. It is me and you talking together in the reality of your heart coming out of your mouth. Because what comes out of your mouth is really what's in your heart. And there's going to be others who hear the message of Jesus and stiff arm you. But does Jesus say don't go? No. He knows that. He knows some people say yes. He knows some people say no. But he sins. And we have to be persistent in our pursuit of being sent. Because where a person is now may not be where they are two years from now. Or even by the end of the summer. But your job is to be sent. And let me give you a little bit of encouragement. The same spirit that sends you is the same spirit that can gather them. Right? So just talk. Share your life with others like you've shared it with me. I'm a better man because of what you have shared. And if, if you just share it with others, then the Holy Spirit will work. We let God sort that out. But we go so that others can be gathered. And as everyone is gathered, we serve each other. We pray for. We're thoughtful toward one another. We think about compassion ministry. Somebody, I've already gotten one person to promise me there will, I will receive an update when the compassion ministry thing rolls on. I'm excited about that because that is a part of the scattering to serve others. You serve each other in your community groups, in children's ministry, in a lot of other ways. Let me leave you with one question. As, you, as we round out this sermon series, 
And we've been thinking about character change and God working in our life over time. Think of the disciples in that room mentioned in this passage. And think about where you are in your relationship with God. What would it mean for you to unlock the door? What would it mean for you to unlock the door and to trust God for the rest of your life? I look forward to discovering that answer with you. Let me pray for us. Father, you are a father who sins because you are a father who loves. And you love for others to know and to enjoy. So help us not to hoard the good news or the love of you and to exclude others, but to always be outwardly focused, thinking about how we might serve others both inside and outside our family, both inside and outside our work, both inside and outside of our church, your church, who you will gather together one day in our final city, in a city not made by the hands of men. So we thank you for your love that you've given to us. And then so tomorrow as we all scatter to our workplaces, our places of recreation, places where we shop. I pray that you give us eyes to see and hearts to feel and hands to serve. And we love you, God. We pray that you would help us to love this world like you do. We pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.